on May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions the next stage of human evolution. In this episode, Eckhart talks to a live audience. He says, most of us are going through a transition in consciousness, which he calls awakening. He sees that as the next stage of human evolution. There have been rare periods in history when collective awareness made great leaps forward. Eckhart sees a similar shift happening now. He says, we must continue with our practice, release our inner turmoil, and align ourselves with the inevitable now. So it's good to be back here. We'll be spending the evening together, it seems, unless you can't stand it anymore and you <laughs> run away. <laughs> so you are here because most of you are going through a transition in your consciousness where a new dimension of consciousness emerges in you. And that's sometimes called awakening or spiritual awakening. And it is, as I see it, the next stage in human evolution because human beings are not finished yet. God hasn't quite finished with them yet because if humans were already finished as a species, that would be tragic because they are obviously a work in progress. That's a charitable way of looking at humans. Maybe they are at an adolescent stage and now we're going into adulthood. There are many ways of looking at it, but there is undoubtedly something new emerging, and at the same time, the old, I sometimes call it the old consciousness, the egoic consciousness that has created what we know as human history, which is a history of, to a large extent, of insanity. The old consciousness continues, even intensifies, at the same time, the new consciousness is arising in a certain number of humans, more than ever before. And so you are all here because that is emerging in you. One could almost say it's a faculty that in most humans still lies dormant. And this faculty in some begins to sprout and emerge. And this is what the ancient teachers, of course, have already pointed to. There have been few rare periods 
in human history when a huge step forward happened in collective consciousness. One, for example, was about 500 years BC at a time when the Buddha lived, so that's 2,500 years ago. At the time the Buddha lived at that time and taught, the, the ancient Greek philosophers were teaching at that time, including the pre-Socratic philosophers, Lao Tse, the author of the Chinese Tao Te Ching, Confucius, Zoroaster in Persia, so that we are at a similar period now where a shift is happening in the collective consciousness and it often coincides with a critical situation in the uh, collective and this is happening again now. So that's all fine and as I just said, you're all here, not all, most, because something new is emerging. And if it is not emerging in you, it will not be pleasant for you to be here for these two hours or so that we are going to spend together. You will become restless and you will feel either extremely bored or you will feel the need to leave here or to shout something out that nobody wants to listen to. And it could be in the case of some of you that somebody dragged you here, you didn't really want to come, <laughs> but your spouse or friend said, you really need to listen to this guy. And then you sit here and you go, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> so this works on two levels. I will be speaking for two hours or so. That's the conceptual level. And at that level, mostly what the words point to is something that is beyond words. And if that's something from within you responds, and you can sense that as a sense of intensified aliveness, or you, one could simply say you enjoy being here and you can feel that there is a deepening happening in you because the whole purpose of us being here together is to deepen something and to intensify something that's already happening in you. And what is that? That is the disidentification from the stream of thinking. And that is one way of looking at the awakening that's happening. And that's very interesting, as you might have noticed. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. 
Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, let me just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. Most of the time, there is a voice in your head that comments and has opinions and viewpoints and interpretations about what's going on in your life. I call that the voice in the head. For most humans, that is completely involuntary. They don't even know that they have a voice in the head that never stops talking. Most of the time, silently in your head. At other times, it may even shout something out, so it it wants to be heard. (laughs) And so, If you walk in the street, you will find most people look fairly sane. They're not talking to themselves, it seems, because they're not talking out aloud. But if you listened into everybody's head, you would be amazed of how noisy the inside of every human is. It's like a radio, you know these radio stations where the, the people talk in an excited voice They go on and on. (laughs) If you go to a foreign country and you don't know what they're talking about, you might think this must be extremely important. (laughs) But if you can understand what they're saying, you realize it's, it's completely meaningless. It's just noise. So a significant part of what happens in your mind, the larger part, is actually just superfluous noise. Thinking is a wonderful ability, a wonderful tool. If used rightly, it is an instrument that causes dysfunction and misery for millions on the planet, unhappiness for millions on the planet. If thinking is not used, but if you are used by thought. So when humans say, I think, in most cases, That's actually not true because they have no control over their thinking. It's compulsive and involuntary. And they are so identified with these thought processes, they don't even know that they are in the grip of their thought processes because they are so identified, they become their thought processes. So whatever comes into your head, you completely believe in it. When I was struggling to survive on a physical plane. I often ate baked beans on toast. I was living in England. There's a little bit of relevance here too. And that could have been a very unhappy period in my life, not being able what to live on the next day or the day after. I was already in my 30s. 
And so my mental commentary, the involuntary thought processes, would normally have said, you're a complete failure, you, you, you can't afford the rent, you don't know, you have no income, you've made a mess out of your life, and this is what you've, I'm reduced to, baked beans on toast. Look at your contemporaries that are driving around in their BMWs, they've got all that, and so this is what life has done to me, or what I have done to mess up my life, I could have had many kinds of narratives accompanying what was happening in the present moment that would have created unhappiness. And I wouldn't even have known it. That, and this happens just a small example of how a narrative that you have that accompanies something that you are doing causes unhappiness. And you can do the same thing without the narrative and you're free of unhappiness. You're eating baked beans on toast, and actually doesn't taste that bad at all. <laughs> and it's, you swallow, and it is nourishing, and you don't even have to say that. You can simply enjoy the sensory perceptions associated with that without building a sense of self around it. The sense of self that you build around it arises through involuntary and compulsive thinking me, and the Buddha was already talking about that. So, and this, I'm saying this now in case you need to leave early or want to go uh, across the street. If you only take this away from this evening, but hopefully there will be much more. If you only take this away, if you look at whenever you feel Unhappiness, this is a generic term, unhappiness in whatever form. Unhappiness can arise as irritation, can arise as anger, can arise as even boredom is a form of unhappiness, sadness, all kinds of states that are, they don't feel pleasant, they do unhappiness. And usually they are attributed to a life situation, something that's going on in your life. So, for example, waiting at the airline counter and, of course, how often things don't go well there. Let's hope they don't drag you out of the plane, but it, that, could, uh, that could happen too. Whenever you feel irritation arising, anger arising, upset in whatever form, ask yourself, is this caused by the situation, or is it caused by what my mind is telling me about the situation? And in 95% of cases, you will find that the mental commentary that argues and complains about something that's going on, but should not be going on, but it is, but shouldn't be, and the gap between what is and what the mind says should be, or should not be, that gap is the arising of unhappiness and misery, or as the Buddha called suffering. It arises in the gap between the isness of things in this moment and the arguing with the isness of things in this moment, imposing a narrative on it that says, no, this should not be. I'm not talking about situations where you can take action to change it. There are certain situations where action is possible and necessary. That's fine. But even if action is possible and necessary at this very moment, it still is as it is. Then you can take action. 
but this moment is as it is. So when you allow this moment to be as it is because you recognize the inevitability of is, <laughs> this seems so obvious, but it's not obvious to most humans, the inevitability of what is already the case now. And if you can internally align yourself with this inevitable now, the next moment is a different thing, but when the next moment comes, it's now, of course. There is no next moment except as a thought in the head. Where is the future? You've never experienced it. You can't. Impossible. And yet, humans think about it more than the present moment. They want to get to the future because they don't want what is. They believe some kind of liberation or fulfillment will come next, always missing the isness of things. So, if unhappiness arises, examine, does it come, is it caused by the situation I'm in, or is it caused by how my mind is interpreting the situation? And in most cases, you will find it's the mind in interpretation that causes the unhappiness. The body reacts to that. It is a narrative that you carry with you. And the interesting thing is, Many humans carry a very heavy burden of negative narrative concerning what they call my life. My life is so problematic. It's, there is so much going on and so many things happen that should never have happened. I never expected them to happen when I was 18. It wasn't supposed to go like that. But it did, and that's my life. It's so problematic, let me tell you about it. <laughs> now, the strange thing is, there is no human life, although you might not believe this when you read glossy magazines that have pictures of celebrities, or even when you walk around the street, but you can't look into people's heads. They all seem quite sane, and they might even seem happy. <laughs> But if you could look inside, you would see there's a lot of turmoil going on. There's a great deal of unhappiness and suffering going on in humans. And a huge amount of suffering is caused by what I call my problematic life and situations that I find myself in that are connected with my relationships. Huge source of suffering relationships. <laughs> because humans are so difficult to live with. <laughs> and that's why the French philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre said, hell is other people. <laughs> so a, a lot of the problematic life situation that you encounter, find yourself in, is caused by other humans. And often it is caused by precisely those humans who, who three years ago, caused you intense happiness. That's called the wedding. <laughs> and three, four years later, the same human that made you happy now makes you unhappy. <laughs> Strange. It, it seems to be a fairly common pattern. And even if there's no wedding, it can still happen. All you have to do is move in together. Humans are faced with 
obviously, I'm not denying that to be a human being is not easy. Even to be another life form is not easy, but human being is even more difficult because we have a mind. But for every life form on the planet, life is experienced as challenging. And every life form encounters from the moment it is born its own set of challenges to survival, every life form. And humans also, the challenges are never ending to being. You might have, uh, you still might think you will arrive at a point in your life where suddenly you can relax and say, now I have sorted everything out. I've sorted out my professional life. My work situation is going great. I've sorted out my relationships. They're also wonderful. I've sorted out my financial situation. I'm doing fine. I've got the investments. It's all there. You've sorted out your life, your living situation, the house where you are, and you've got the vacations, and you are recognized by others as a very important person. <laughs> and you are loved by others, and it's, it must be possible. Well, it could happen for short a period of time. Uh, and if you happen to be in a situation right now where everything works together in the way I just described, you may have to wait a little and see what happens. <laughs> now, humans believe that there's something wrong with life when they're being challenged, when problems arise, and they will arise in the area of health, in the area of finances, in the area of work, in the area of relationships, or living situation. Broadly speaking, those are it. And you can see by where your main problems are at this moment. And so every life form is challenged, and every life form, this is the truth of why every life form is challenged by life, this is how they evolve. Every life form only evolves by encountering obstacles. And by encountering obstacles, that calls forth new power, new energy, more consciousness in order to overcome or transcend the obstacles that arise on your path. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. So it seems almost that life is maliciously putting obstacles in your path. You can sometimes overcome them, 
and at other times they stop you completely and then you have to go somewhere else. But every human experience is that. Life is not always helpful, at times it is. But everything is impermanent. Every situation you find yourself in is impermanent, as the Buddha always pointed out. So sooner or later it changes. So even a situation that makes you happy now can make you unhappy a little later or loses the capacity of making you happy. So if we see a fundamental truth of life, which is, it seems that the world is not designed to make us happy. The world is designed for something else. The world is not designed to produce comfort zones for everybody. Although it's nice to occasionally have comfort zones, it's lovely when they appear, knowing that they may not last, but in, of course enjoy your comfort zones when they are there, but know that your comfort zone is not where your awakening happens. It is unlikely that your comfort zone is where you will find more intense consciousness. The comfort zone is lovely as a rest, but where humans evolve, it's when they, life takes you out of your comfort zone and challenges you. And that's when you lose something, you fail at something. So-called failure is, from a spiritual viewpoint, much more conducive to spiritual realization than so-called success. And this is why there's an ancient saying, I believe it comes from Sufism, but I'm not sure, when the spirit weeps, when the ego weeps for what it has lost, the spirit rejoices for what it has found. And that is, many of you can verify in your own life, if you had not experienced those seemingly negative events in your life, you probably would not even be here. You would be in the crown temple. <laughs> and getting very excited about it. <laughs> so, and once you, the delusion that life is here to make you comfortable, that expectation, you can drop that, and then you can actually approach life in a different way, knowing that life is meant to be challenging. And then, once you know that, then you also realize that the challenges arise in the present moment. It's where everything arises, in the present moment. And then you can find a different relationship with the present moment that is no longer antagonistic, as most many, many humans still live in a relationship with the present moment that is not good, because most of the time they don't want to be in it. So they mentally project themselves out of it always. This isn't what I want, I want that. Let me just get there. Whether that is, an, is a minute from now, or tomorrow, or in 10 years' time, or whenever I find what I think will make me happy, it doesn't matter, but it's away from now. So you deny the present moment. Let's say if the present moment were a human being, <laughs> you would be always living with somebody you don't want to live with. <laughs> 
why am I stuck with this person? Now, you may have actually experienced that too. That's another matter. But I'm using it as an analogy now. If the present moment, and you cannot get away from it, so there's no way you can divorce this person. There's no way you can even leave this person. Let's, if the present moment is a person in this analogy. Now imagine having to live with this person and just can't stand him or her. So you have to mentally always project yourself away from thinking, oh there, I need to get to that, that other person. But that other person doesn't actually exist except in your mind because when that other, we're still using an analogy, when that other person comes, it's the same person again. <laughs> That's a nightmare. <laughs> so these, these people have a dysfunctional relationship with the present moment. And to have a dysfunctional relationship with the present moment has enormous repercussions. Because if you have a dysfunctional relationship with the moment, then in some way you have a dysfunctional relationship with virtually everybody you meet. Very soon, sometimes it's fine at the beginning, but very quickly, again, it turns dysfunctional. Places you go to, situations you encounter, very quickly you find something that's not right, that shouldn't be. So a very foundation for enlightened living is asking yourself, what is my relationship with this moment? And this becomes of extreme importance if you realize something that seems on the one hand obvious, but on the other hand almost paradoxical or hard to understand. If you realize that all there ever is in your life is this moment. Everything unfolds in the now. There is never a moment that's not now. <laughs> there is only this moment. It's always now, isn't that strange? But people live as if the now were not a desirable place. Some other now is the desirable place, but no other now exists except this one. So. This is an enormous realization and awakening that, that all you have in your life, and this is why it's so precious and of such vital importance, all you ever have is this moment. So you might as well have a good relationship with this moment. You might as well become friendly with this moment because after all, that's all there ever is. And if your mind pattern is one of antagonism towards the present moment, denial, antagonism, then your entire life, you miss the whole thing. You basically miss your entire life because even when you're 75, 80, 85, you still, in some way, you, you've waited to start living. And it was always going to happen any moment now it was always going to happen. And the last thing that you wanted, you were looking towards retirement. That was the big thing that was going to come. So your whole working life, you stared at the clock in the office, reaching, when is it, five o'clock, or whatever, in whatever way you denied the present moment. And then retirement comes, 
And then you first day of your retirement, you sit in the chair and you know what? <laughs> and very soon, where's your identity? You don't have the, other people don't tell you anymore who you are. The, your, the function that you had is gone. There's nothing left. What's, what am I going to do with myself? And that's the reason why actually many people die soon after they retire because life has become totally purposeless. So present moment, make the present, as I put it, make the present moment your friend, not your enemy. So one way in which the present moment is denied is you reduce it always to a means to an end, which means you're always on your way away. So I just need to get this out of the way because I want to get there. And you do it even with small things like preparing a cup of coffee or tea. You just going walking from here to there. How much time do you spend moving the body either by walking or by driving or by sitting on a bus? How much time of your life do you spend moving your body from point A to point B? And what is your state of consciousness while you're moving your body from point A to point B? Are you present with every step and enjoying the aliveness of this moment while you run towards the bus or while you run from one end of your room to the other? Or are you so mentally fixated on where you need to get to that the, the intervening period is stressful? Stress is the disease that in our civilization most people suffer from, and it, it is a dysfunctional relationship with the present moment. It is a movement away. You would rather be somewhere else. You would rather already have finished what you're doing, and that mental projection away from now causes what we call stress. You are actually mentally ahead in the so-called future, which doesn't even exist, and you're being pulled towards it, and that pull is painful, and that is stress, which is called, conventionally called stress these days. And you can look in families, how families live with their children. There's always this never giving full attention to the child. You're always telling the child, have you done this? Now go and do this. Have you? And you call it responsible parenting. Have you done brushed your teeth? No. Come and do, have you done your homework, do, go, go and do, now do this, now do that. There's always, we need to do, 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 do. What do I need to do now? I need to think. <laughs> and so you don't realize that there needs to be a balance in your life between doing and being. The being is totally forgotten in our civilization. It's been just, for most humans, completely they don't even know what, what being is. Now, being does not mean that necessarily you stop doing completely, although as you first experience being, it might be associated with meditation, it might be associated with sitting still for a moment, but being and doing can actually coexist together when you're not being mentally pulled away from the present moment. I can move from A to B and walk fast and be present with every step and enjoy the, the intense energy of moving my body from A to B and I'm in the present moment. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you become ineffective and extremely slow, 
when you are being, when you are in the present moment, I am perhaps a little slower than most people, I must admit that, but I can move fast if I have to and enjoy it. So the, the balance between being and doing is extraordinarily important. Now everybody knows doing. Doing includes thinking. Thinking is where doing happens primarily and then it becomes external doing. Never being able to, to be in this moment and actually say, wow, this is it. This is, this is my life. It's, my life is not the narrative in my head. The narrative in my head is my life situation, my past and my so-called future. And this narrative in the head, for many people, is a source of great unhappiness because the story of me is not a pleasant one. And I have to think about it a bit more because maybe I can solve this dilemma of myself. I am a problem to myself. This is how many people experience their lives. I am a problem that needs to be solved somehow. But it is so multifaceted, this problem that needs to be solved. I don't know how to go about it. I could seek the help of a psychiatrist who might reveal to me the different, many different layers of unhappiness and the problematic nature of my existence. But people carry this burden around with them, which is an essential part of their personality, which is the me, which is a story you tell yourself. It is your whole past, what you have done, what you have failed to do, what you did to other people, what other people did to you, things you identify with that give you your sense of self, your possessions, your achievements, your failures. You can have a positive identification, you can have a negative identification. It's all thought. Your so-called life is thought structures, and what you call my life. Thought structures in your head, stories in your head, and images in your head that you identify with. So you derive your sense of self, this is so important, you derive your sense of identity from what your mind is telling you about yourself. That is for most people who have not awakened, that is where they derive their sense of self from. In other words, they derive their sense of self from the movement of thought. Repetitive thought, yes, rarely an original thought. It just goes on and on, year after year, the same thing that the unsatisfying sense of self that is based on thought. I call it the mind-made sense of self. This is the source of most people's identity. So it's a mental identity. It's identification with a narrative in your mind. Certain thoughts, certain pronouncements, certain judgments. And then you come to a conclusion about your life and you, you carry this heavy burden and which you call my life. And this, for many people, it's, it makes them unhappy every day of their lives when they start thinking about my life, they become unhappy. This is amazing. They, they don't know they don't know what they're do, doing to themselves. They don't realize that's not their life at all. They don't realize that that is a narrative that is connected in some way with their past, it's, but it is a narrative that is thought and reflected 
emotions. The, the emotions reflect the thoughts. So the emotions are not pleasant because the thoughts you're telling you about yourself is my life which hasn't turned out the way I wanted it to turn out. And or if it has at this moment, maybe next year or in five years time, something will shift and you'll become unhappy with your life. You need to get out of that identity that is based on a story in your head. So that's why we're here. That, I call that your life situation, but it's not your life. Everybody has a life situation. You have a past and you probably have a future. Probably, you never know. You have a past, you have a future. Your sense of identity is derived from the past and your failures and successes in the past, whatever the mind interprets as failure and success, it's just an interpretation. It doesn't mean I have failed at everything that I ever did, it won't be so terrible. Or life, what life has done to me, my parents, if I had had more conscious parents, everything would have been okay, but they were so unconscious that of course I've turned out the way I've turned out, couldn't, what could I have done? Or you can argue with God, why did God give this burden to me? Why did God inflict this upon me? It's all thought also. So let's see, if there, is there something else in you? Is there something else in you that is more vital, more real, more alive than the movement of thought in you? And that is what we could call being the being of you. And let's just see if we can explore this experientially more deeply here, because that, if that becomes the source of your sense of self, then everything shifts you, then you no longer are an unhappy human being. You're no longer, you're no longer made unhappy by the challenges of life. So at this moment, let's just go do a little, I don't want to call it meditation, let's, let's find that place where you are, but not the historical you. Very simple, very simple. Right now I suggest you forget that you have a history. You don't need to remember you don't need to remember your past right now, or even your name, or your email address, or your phone number, or anything that has happened to you in the past. What is left of you if you don't mentally revive anything from your past as you sit here? Okay, let's forget about the past. There's only this moment. Okay, you don't even have a name. Okay, if you don't even have a name or past, is there still a sense of you? So what does it, does it mean to, to, to sense yourself without your personal history? So if you dismiss your personal history, what is left of yourself? And that's a very interesting thing to explore. What is left is undoubtedly a sense of presence. And in that sense of presence or beingness, you, you realize I am, you know that. But since you don't remember your past, you don't know what you are, but you know that you are. And that is a vital thing to realize the I amness in you 
which is at this very moment, this I am is perceiving this room. This I am is perceiving auditory perception, my voice, the totality of this room, and whatever else this I am is perceiving at this moment, undoubtedly, they are the sense perceptions. And what is it that makes all the sense perceptions possible at this moment? It is the I am. But what is that? Who am I if I am not my personal history? If I let go of my personal history just for this moment, and I can still sense very clearly and deeply there is an underlying I amness, a beingness, a presence. Because if there were not this underlying I amness, beingness, or presence, there would be nobody here to perceive this room. There would be nobody here to listen to that voice. Would this room still exist? Who knows? That's a philosophical question. You could see, well, yes, there would still be molecules and atoms floating around here and there, but would there be a room? No. You create this room. The I am, its perception, creates this room at this moment. I am. Now, so you're conscious of your sense perceptions right now. The room and the voice, whatever else is there, you're conscious of that. Okay, that's interesting. You can actually be conscious of sense perceptions without mentally labeling your sense perception. And, and that's an amazing thing, and that is part of the awakening, that you no longer compulsively label in your mind everything that you perceive and call it this or call it that. You can know that this is a room without having a mental concept that says, oh, this is a room that just looks like that and is like that and like that. You can just perceive, in other words, you perceive against a background of stillness in you. That's the I am. When you remove personal history, when you remove thought, which is personal history, your entire personal history is thought. When you remove thought, it's fine, you don't worry, you'll remember it again when you need it. <laughs> but for the moment, you don't need it. So you remove thought, and when you remove thought, two things are possible. Either you fall asleep, which could happen to you as you sit here, because I'm not a speaker who makes a lot of noise, I don't jump up and down the stage, or just, well, I do gesticulate, but you can either fall asleep, you, which means you're falling below thought, that's what I call it, or you can rise above thought and be still, alert, and present. And then you can look around the room, you're totally awake, but there is a stillness against which you're perceiving whatever it is you're perceiving at this moment. And that's an amazing state. It's a beautiful state to be able to be in that, in that state of presence when there is no interference of thought upon your sense perceptions. And that is a state of absolute presence. In that state, you are connected 
with a deeper intelligence that transcends who you are as a person. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Eckhart Tolle, Essential Teachings, the podcast. You can follow these essential teachings on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, go to Spotify and follow this podcast. Join us next week for more enlightened teachings from Eckhart Tolle. Thank you for listening. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.